You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It's time for another Third Watch recap episode here on the Oz Network as we come back to you with the fifth episode of the fifth season. This one is called Goodbye to All That. This one first aired on the 31st of October 2003, the first time we were on a Friday night for Third Watch. It was written by John Ridley, directed by Vincent Missiano. And uh, an interesting one here. Um, plenty to talk about, uh, whether or not it's good or bad or anything else in between. Um, we'll uh, soon get to that as we talk about it across this next episode. Uh, my name is Ben, and I'll pretend you're not a hero. <laughs> my name's Darvell, and actually I don't have a quote this time. Good quote. I don't have a, or maybe I did, or maybe I did, but I just forgot it. That's my favorite know. quote, I think, <laughs> that I've ever heard on this show. So, good job. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we are into Friday night, uh, action now. Uh, I guess many people would say this is the official end of this show as it moved to the Friday night death slot, but, um, you know, it seemed to do okay business for a Friday night, didn't it, for a while? I mean, we still had a season and a half to go. I mean, we still got, what, at least uh, 30-odd episodes of this program to go, so it's not like it kind of got cancelled straight after this, but, I mean, yeah, generally a Friday night move is not a good one for TV in America. Or at least it wasn't back then. I mean, shows that are on Friday nights now, they do... they. They do quite they do quite well and it also I guess you could say helps that when it comes to major networks the art, the audiences I mean they're not they're not what they once were. I mean if a show gets like I don't know 7 million viewers on a Friday night it actually does pretty well these days. Whereas Third Watch Oh, were you going to say something? No, no, go ahead. I was I was thinking something but I opened my mouth which was probably sounded like <laughs> I was going to say something. Anyway, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but um, Third Watch, at least in season six, it was averaging nine million viewers, um, and it still got it still got the X. But I mean, if that were today, if that were today, that would be impressive ratings for a Friday night. Yeah, well, I know that. Um, I mean, I know Survivor's what on a Wednesday night, but I mean, what Survivor I think gets about. I think it's about 12, 13, 14 million off the top of my head, and that's considered in today's TV landscape good numbers. Um, so, I mean, you've also got to look at the the era that you're in. You know, in 2003, 2002, that's not generally good numbers because shows were still back then probably pulling around 20, 30 million viewers, um, whereas obviously TV numbers drop over the years um, as it's long been established, as people switch more to streaming platforms and Netflixes and downloading and all those sort of things too. So, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, yeah. a lot of things change when it comes to TV and numbers. It's kind of, it's impossible to compare today's numbers to numbers back then, but you're right though. Like at the same time, I, and I guess kind of network shows, I feel network shows last a lot longer now just because a lot of the time network shows don't go out and take those risks as much as they have to anymore because they leave that to the, you know, the Showtimes and the HBOs and things like that and the Netflixes, whereas a lot of people kind of watch Netflix uh, Network now just really for the, the safe programming, if you know what I mean. So, whereas it wasn't necessarily the case yeah. back in 2003. So, but I guess generally, um, you know, it would have been interesting to read a lot of the TV Guide articles and the media around this move back in 2003 because, I mean, yeah, this was still at a period where you announce a show's moving to Friday night, you're kind of like, uh-oh, that's not good for Third Watch. So, 
Um, <laughs> yeah, obviously a lot of people would have said the writing's on the wall uh, for this show uh, back when this episode first aired. And kind of fitting that this episode is called Goodbye to All That Then. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, because goodbye to Monday nights. Mm, yeah, possibly. Bit of irony uh, in there. Um, we start this episode off, though. We've got Cruz sitting on a car, reading a paper. Uh, she's in a uniform. Again, if you're not used to Cruz being in a uniform, uh, here she is. Uh, she has a woman coming up to her wanting to get an officer. I do love Cruz, how she's kind of like, you know, I don't speak any English. What did she say? Like Pablo Anglais or something like that. And then this woman starts speaking yeah. Spanish to her. <laughs> um, yeah. Just Cruz's non-caring attitude. Uh, she walks off and it's kind of like, this guy better be dead. And then we kind of get a really cheesy cut to Yokus when she's laying on a bed saying, I'm not dead yet. It just, it makes me cringe. Like, I know what they're trying to do, but it's just, there's a bit of cringeworthiness to me in the uh, opening part of this episode. And to me, I think we're going to lead into a moment in just a second, which is clearly to me, hey, we've moved to Friday nights. Let's go off with a massively huge explosion to show people that, hey, we're kind of a cool show. Um, Yokus gets in a chair. She <laughs> kind of rolls herself out of bed. Then we, for the first time, uh, meet Judge Holstetter, played by the esteemed Anne Margaret, who, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about last week. Uh, Holstead, sorry, not Holstetter. Um, and she's at a, I guess, a picnic, and she's talking about justice, that she's dedicated to it, that she lives and breathes justice, and... What is she like giving, um, uh, I guess, endorsement to a politician or something like that? She's, yeah, talking yeah. about that. And then Davis and Sully, for some reason, are there on their day off. Um, hang em high, Holstead is what Sully calls her. Uh, and you can just tell that somehow Sully's going to end up working with her because, you know, he's here just spending a good 10 minutes ripping shit into the woman. So you know something's going to happen here. Um, yeah. Then sort of cuts back to Cruz <coughs> and this, uh, woman has pulled, <laughs> pulled her there, basically the car is blocking her car. She doesn't even need to go anywhere. She's like, what if I need to go somewhere later? <laughs> and Cruz is just like, you don't even need to go anywhere now. Um, it's pretty funny. I forgot about that little moment. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I just, I love this like random lady and this random man. And then kind of Cruz just chucks a, chucks a tantrum and she's just basically like, you know, you happy, all happy, we're all happy. And she goes to walk off. But the guy <laughs> whose car is blocking the car, he decides to call her a bitch, which obviously is going to turn her around in just a second. Meanwhile, we see Yokus doing some chin-ups on her little pole in the door frame, but uh, she's going to fall down in a second, um, just in a moment. Uh, Sully, meanwhile, and Davis are at the table still. He's talking about the reason why he's there. He's trying to get in good word for retirement because this guy has some sway with the retirement board or something. Crew's giving a ticket to this guy. This guy tries to come at her, so she then basically arrests him. Yokus falls down. She feels a bunch of pain, and she starts rolling around on the floor, and then we get this sequence where a bunch of cars are, I guess, uh, being valet parked. Uh, Bosco is there again. It's never explained why Bosco is there on his day off. Um, and Sully's car, he says it's a All car. hands on deck. All hands on deck, apparently. <laughs> Sully's car, uh, he turns around and is talking about it being a classic, but some guy runs into it. There's an explosion. Sully turns around, jumps on the judge, and then we get really cheesy slow-mo explosion of debris flying everywhere. Sully on top. We've got cars flying everywhere. And we're into the opening credits. Um, look, it's just... You can just tell, to me, this is just one of these... We're going to get a lot of these moving forward. We're just going to get the random explosion of the week. 
we've talked a little bit about it before, that to me it just seems a case of, like, they know that they're losing out in the ratings, they know that they're kind of hanging on for survival, so they've got to try something new each week, and what's better than a good old-fashioned explosion that they can shove in the promo each week, so people are going to be like, ooh, something explodes this week, I'm going to watch Third Watch. Um, and like, you know, we talked about it last week. It kind of, last week was fine. It was one of the ones that sort of, it just yeah. happened. It was random. Like it, you weren't expecting it. Whereas this one, it's kind of, there's such a lead up to it. And then just the way they do the slow motion of it, it's just, it's cheesy. I'm not a fan, but, uh, yeah. yeah. Get the credits. NBC Friday in two weeks, third watch moves to Friday night with a bang. Yeah, pretty much. That's, <laughs> Stuff that's like that. Pretty much. I mean, I don't know if you got much else to add sort of in the beginning here, but I mean, you know, the yoke has fallen down. No, not really. And yeah, I, I don't know. It's like the slow motion stuff. I mean, what's your feel on kind of random slow motion when it doesn't, it's not needed? Yeah, it, it really isn't. I mean, if you're going to do an explosion, hey, don't do it in slow-mo, you know, have it. Have it be a rapid thing. Surprise everybody, like, whoa, where did that come from? Yeah, I mean, slow motion works sometimes. It's just, this is just one of these ones where, to me, it doesn't work. Um, so, yeah, there yeah. is that. Like, yeah, like like the, oh, wait, no, never mind. This is probably another case of the explosion in slow-mo not working. Uh, season four finale, Price and Nobility, when the car that Alex is sitting on explodes. Does that slow-mo effect, does, does that work, or, um. or is even that over the top? I mean, look, I think we talked about that, that it, it is definitely over the top and cheesy and a bit cartoony, but the difference there is I think it's got an emotional effect that it works. Like, it's the aftermath of that that works the best, because kind of we had that weird flash of Taylor's face in the explosion and then sort of everything that happens there, but it's just, it's how that kind of pans out, because you have that shock from all the emergency services, they kind of look around like, what the hell just happened? You see the helmet flying on the ground, it's on fire, you hear Johnson screaming in pain, and then you kind of just get that Because Lou's on fire. Yeah, and then you kind of get that start of Taylor's body. So I just kind of think that it's done in a different way. Like, I definitely see what you're saying, but I just... I personally feel that it's got the emotional connection behind it that works. And, yeah, it's cartoony. It's over the top. She's literally blown in half, and her legs land exactly parallel to her, right next to her, with somehow a car on top. Like, the logistics of it are impossible when you see that shot, but it happens. (laughs) Um, So, you know. And... Yeah, whereas this, I mean, it has no emotional impact because we don't even know who this woman is. Exactly, and I think... And we don't even... Go ahead. I was going to say, we don't even know if she's the intended target or not. Yeah, and I think the difference with this one, too, is the fact that they play it for tension, because clearly, after the explosion, they cut to the credits, and then no doubt after the credits, they would have gone to commercial. So, therefore, you were like, shit, what happened? Oh, my God, I can't miss now. Whereas, like, in, um, you know, the finale when Taylor dies, it's done immediately. There's no deliberate ploy to kind of get you on the couch to keep watching and that's what i've got a few issues with these next few episodes how they deliberately go out of the way to end on a cliffhanger which to me it's just a pure case of hey just because we're on friday nights doesn't mean we're not good anymore make sure you tune in next week um so yeah and again i'm not hating these episodes i'm not going to bin any of these next few episodes there are just some issues with them i think that they you can tell they're going out in their way to attract the viewers and i guess why would you blame them at the end of the day They've been moved to a Friday night. They've got to do what they've got to do. Uh, so, look, you know. Yeah. Um, yep, and as we've already... Oh, no, sorry. no, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, okay, and I, I was going to say, and as we've already established, I mean, back in this time anyway, Friday night, that's where these shows went to die. Yeah. So, yeah. Exactly. 
So we have the credits, we come back. Um, I mean, I do kind of like a bit of this bit here where sort of they go for the silence factor because, you know, Sully's ears are obviously ringing and this is what would happen after an explosion like this kind of. If you're that close to it, you'll probably have some trouble hearing. Boss goes screaming at Sully. Sully cannot hear uh, anything because of the explosion. So uh, kind of the aftermath of that. Uh, Swirsky and Cruz, meanwhile, together. Cruz is getting angry. She wants out of uniform. She's hating it. Um... And she basically mentions that a chiropractor is posing as a brothel and she wants to go in there and, I guess, report it. Now, I wonder what that ad is. Like, if it's that obvious, um, you know, how are they getting away with it? But the thing is, and spoiler alert, like, we're going to find out in an episode or two that there is a whole other undercover operation at this point. So, um, I'm not sure how well that district of the NYPD advertises their undercover operations because it's in their precinct. Surely they would have to warn them. Uh, maybe that's a bit more to, um, I guess, uh, nitpick about in a couple of episodes when that comes to light. But, uh, yeah, so Cruz wants to go in there. She wants to, I guess, pose as a worker to catch people and then go after the people organising this. And she wants one cop as backup, which, excuse me, we're going to find out, of course, will be Monroe. Uh, back at the scene, there is uh, all the aftermath of the explosion. Carlos and Kim are working on people. This driver guy who is uh, pretty badly injured, and we're going to find out, sadly, will be dead. Um, and sort of Kim doesn't really do anything for him, and a guy sort of asks a question, aren't you going to do anything for him? And, um, you know, obviously she's like, well, we can't do that. Holly is there. She gets a guy yeah. to hold a crystal. Um, which Kim sort of looks at as if to say, like, what the hell are you doing? Um, but I guess it yeah. <laughs> leads into the quirkiness of Holly. Doc shows up, uh, and starts, um, banging out orders. Um, and then we sort of get this bit where Carlos is on the phone trying to get confirmation for some sort of, uh, drug to give one of the patients. Uh, he's not getting any confirmation. And Kim just says, just give him the drugs anyway. And this is right in front of Doc. Um, and this is going to play a little bit of a part into what we're going to get with uh, Doc um, in this episode. Uh, and I'll just sort of include here that uh, Yokus, uh, Emily and Charlie... Uh, sorry, that's Fred comes home. They find Yokus. She's on the floor in pain. Um, they're talking about going to see a movie and being tone deaf in one ear. Uh, but yes, Yokus is on the, pa- on the floor in pain and they're trying to get Charlie out of the way so that... Uh, he doesn't see that. I don't know if you've got really anything to add. I'm just kind of lumping these scenes together here. But, um, you know, we've got no, a bit no, of the, the no, setup really, here. Because they're, they're really... Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say no. No, nothing nothing really to add because they are just kind of blurred together at this point of the episode because there's, you know, just so much happening. Yeah. I mean, it's a subtle little moment there, though, like with Kim... Um, giving, like, you know, ordering Carlos just to give the drugs, and you kind of see that look on Doc's face where you're kind of going to be like, okay, something's going to happen here, but, uh, you know, we know how Doc sort of is going on this uh, slope, I guess. Um, Cruz and Munro are having a conversation uh, as they walk towards the car, uh, and Cruz basically dictating that Munro's just going to be sitting in the um, the car uh, with a camera. Um, I do like the way how Munro is kind of like, what if none of these guys want to pay to have sex with you? <laughs> um, so kind of setting up this <laughs> organization. Do you, do you feel like, I mean, I like the way they go ahead with this and kind of you've got Cruz and I like the fact we've got Cruz and Sasha working together because it kind of sets up a nice little, you know, an arc for a couple episodes with obviously mm-hmm. Sasha being a bit sympathetic towards Cruz. And obviously this storyline that we're going to have with Cruz 
is a way to soften her character. And I don't mean that to sound a bit disrespectful, obviously, with, with what's going to happen to her, because, like, obviously what happens to her is right. terrible. But, you know, we are getting this storyline, I think, to really showcase a bit of sympathy towards her. And, and also the fact that she is kind of a hardened female cop who kind of goes out of a way to, you know, show that she doesn't need a man's help and things like that, which is, it's, it's implied. Yes. It's kind of mentioned the last few weeks, a couple of times, you know, when she's like, Oh, if I was a man, I'd get promoted and things like that. But it's kind of interesting that this whole sting is like, do you feel, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful in the way I ask this question. Do you feel that if this was to be a legitimate sting in the NYPD, that they wouldn't have, that they would actually just send two females out here? Like, I, I, again, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm legitimately asking that as an actual question. Do you not feel as though, at least if you're going to have an all-female sting, that you're going to have more than two people here? Yeah, I'd probably put more than two out there. I mean, because what if they, what if, what if something goes wrong and they both get taken? Yeah. Then who reports it? Who calls it in? Five five, I don't know. Five five Frank. We have two missing officers. Send back up now. Yeah, and I, like, I'm in no way am I implying that two women can't handle an operation like this. It's just. She's putting herself in harm's way by being vulnerable in that situation when she's opening herself up to to what's happening. And it's it's a fine line here to kind of, you know, I guess ask this question without trying to sound like I am implying that it, as a woman she can't handle herself, which is not what I'm trying to say. It's just, like, it's, right. it's in no difference to that if you were to have two men go into gang territory and pose, like, as a somebody who's a surrounded by gang people with guns. Like, I'm sure that there's going to be more than two people involved in a scenario where somebody can be that vulnerable. So, um, it's just, it's interesting to me that this is allowed to happen with just these people, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I got you. And, I mean, I don't want to disrespe- disrespect... Monroe or Cruz either because I mean we both know they're capable we damn sure I mean we don't know much about Monroe yet but I mean we damn sure know that Cruz can certainly take care of herself so mm. and I think yeah, kind of- we, we we don't sorry go ahead I interrupted you oh no, it's fine I was gonna say I mean we don't this I mean disclaimer listeners I mean we don't think we don't think that they are incapable because I mean they've proven many times that they are capable of mm. I think it's kind of, and it comes down to that I would pose a question that if you, if you replace Sasha with Davis, you're going to have exactly the same scenario. So like, I'm not trying to say that, you know, oh, if, if the person in Sasha's position was a man, this wouldn't have happened. (laughs) It it would have exactly happened the same way because, you know, Cruz, what happens to her, she just comes out and it's just kind of like, let's go. Like she doesn't, it's not like she halfway through calls and says what's happening to her. So this, the exact same scenario would have happened had Cruz been in there and there had been a man sitting out the front. So, I don't know, yeah. like, it just, it, maybe there needed to be, like, audio in there, or they needed to plan it a little bit better, or something like that. I don't know. But anyway, that's my um, weird question for the episode, I guess. Um, so, uh, we then have back at the hospital, Bosco, uh, I guess, uh, explaining what happened to the, uh, the big wigs, uh, telling that Sully was a hero. Uh, the FDMY have said that it's a bomb, so it's kind of a case of, well... Who were they trying to target? We're going to find that out. Yokus, meanwhile, is in hospital and she's uh, complaining of the pain. She's grabbing onto Fred. Um, Bosco sees this, uh, at least Bosco sees Fred 
and tries to find out what happens and um, Fred just closes the door on him, doesn't want to let him know and uh, Bosco just stares through the glass door trying to work out um, what's happening. Kim goes off at uh, Holly a little bit and basically says, like, what the hell are you doing giving a crystal? And Holly, kind of her reply, I love how she turns around and says, like, well, he was holding a crystal. He wasn't thinking of the pain, was he? Um, so, you know, <laughs> slight little fair enough point, I guess. Um, not <laughs> not going to help someone who's dying, Holly. But I mean, like, in a, in, a, in a weird way, it kind of helped, doesn't it? Like, you, if you're in that reaction and you're kind of, like, laying there in pain having a paramedic work on you, and one of them is just like, here, hold a crystal. You're going to be like, what the fuck? And then you're like, oh, hang on a minute. I didn't think about the pain for at least like two seconds. So there you go. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Kim and Doc have a weird conversation where Kim's obviously talking about the job and Doc's saying you got to appreciate the victories. And Kim's like, I just helped a guy with a piece of car in his face and I keep going back to more. And Doc basically says we have a gift and that we're pretty much gods. Um, so... Kim giving him a very yeah. weird look, um, and it is yeah. a very strange conversation, isn't it? It really is, and actually, I was thinking when I was, I do remember this little scene, and I, I was thinking to myself, okay, Doc doesn't even, I mean, in that scene, he doesn't even sound like like, like himself, he doesn't even sound like himself, and I mean, why is Kim not thinking at this point, uh, Doc, are you okay? Mm-hmm. Well, she's got that look on her face where she's definitely, like, you know, implying that. Um, so, yeah, but I, I do like that line where Kim says to him, like, hey, like, if you ever want to talk, you know, it doesn't just have to be around runs, like, in between runs, like, I'm here. Um, and Doc kind of walks off. So, again, it's just little sowing the seeds that Doc's not exactly all there. And, I mean, again, I remember watching this for the first time thinking, like, what's going on here? Like, like it, to me, it's it's a confusing thing. I think, and this is why a lot of the reason why I didn't, I didn't the first time I saw this like what they did with Doc, because like I think you spend a lot of this season confused, like going, what the, what's up with Doc? Like this makes no sense, um, and then you kind of get to what happens. So, I mean, first time viewers mm-hmm. would be interesting if people are watching this along with us for the first time, and I guess we can kind of explain it a little bit more with Doc, and we've kind of said like, hey, pay attention to this guy; he's going to have a big, massive downfall and a breakdown. Um, whereas, yeah, like, if you're watching this the first time with no context, like, I definitely was confused. So, I don't know if you ever had that feeling. No, not, not really. To, to tell you the truth, I didn't really catch what was going on until, uh, later on in the season when it all came to a head. And then I kind of thought about it after watching that particular episode. And I was like, wait a minute, hold on. That does explain everything. Yeah. And that does explain everything from this season. And it's like a... I mean, how many episodes do we get what happens? It's like at least another 10 more episodes, isn't it? Episode 15, so it is yeah. episode 10. So, yeah. Uh, 15, sorry. It's so a 10 more episodes. So, it is a very slow build. And it's kind of... It goes back to season four, what we were talking about, how it was a slow build with Sully. Um, kind of with what happened with the alcoholism and then when we got to Last Call. So, yeah, I mean, it's done in a, a clever way, I think, kind of what they do with him and that when you know what happens and you can see these little subtleties of what happens with him, I think you can appreciate it a little bit more. So, um, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, Doc's thinking they're gods. Good for him. Um, Sully giving his um, version of events and how he ended up uh, protecting the judge. We've got some weird little flashbacks uh, happening at the same time. 
um, hearing about it and um, basically saying that he's a hero. Then we find out that uh, somebody's trying to kill the judge, that somebody ran away with a short-range detonator. Sally says that he did see a guy running away from the car. The judge comes out of the room. She's uh, asking about the families of uh, the people who have been hurt and if everybody's okay. And then they say that they need to put a protective watch on the judge. And uh, she looks straight at Sully and is like, him, I want him. And to which we get, is this the first time this season we get a crap from Sully? It's been a while since we've had a crap from Sully. Yeah, yeah, I think this is the first time that we've gotten that this season. And I feel from this moment they really, I know there is definitely a point in season six where they almost give him a crap every episode. Like, I feel like they always give him a crap. Um, but like, I mean, obviously it becomes his one liner because that's how this entire show ends is on him saying crap. So, <laughs> um, spoiler alert for those who haven't seen the ending, but, um, yeah, it's good. I like when we get a crap from Sully. Like, I like the fact that one of these characters at least has a one liner. Yeah, it's just the, it's the way he delivers it. Yeah. Just... That's exactly it. That's exactly how it comes to it. And that's, yeah. that's the thing when it comes to any movie or TV show, um, when a character has a one-liner, it's all about the delivery. Like, you can force a one-liner down people's throats, but um, it's just, it's the delivery. It's how they do it. Um, so, I think it's kind of, it's cool how they do that. So, um, yeah, we have Cruz uh, showing up to her new job now, basically applying for this job. We meet Ginger at the counter. Um, and then we meet the uh, the boss guy. What is he? Dr. Chow. Is that his name? Um and they, she's gonna take him out the back. Gosh, I'm trying to remember. Um, is it Dr. Chow? Or have I just, yeah, it is. Dr. Ben Chow. That's his name it is. I thought I was being like a oh, bit, uh, okay. uh, inappropriate there for some reason, just calling this guy Dr. Chow. But his name is Dr. Chow, people. I wasn't being racist or anything like that. Um, oh. Sully in the car with Davis. He's angry about it. Um, he doesn't want to do the, uh, the job. And Dave is kind of playing up to him, saying you should get him a little nurse's outfit or something like that. Um, <laughs> I do like Sally's kind of reaction, but he's just like, if you keep doing this, you can get out and walk. So good to see these two having a little bit of banter again. Um, yep. Cruise with Dr. Chow, I guess, going over the basics of what she's done before. Um, and he wants her to strip naked and he wants to check her out. And she kind of is like, no, you have to pay for that. Um, like he's kind of, I guess, his way of, I guess, defending what he's doing, isn't he? Like, you know, we're professionals, you know. Yeah. Those are whorehouses over there. We're, you know, uh, proper over here. So I do like the way she kind of stands up for herself and is basically like, you know, nobody gets a freebie. I've been around this business long enough. And I, I, like, I think Tita Harder does such a good job at kind of playing this undercover role. Like, I like the fact that we know she's an undercover cop here and the way she's kind of acting, I guess. Like, she plays this character very well. Um, and this is again, another one of those layers to Cruz, which I think is so good that she's so good at undercover, like whether it's in this episode or any other episode, she's undercover, like she's believable as an undercover, you know, operative in whatever scenario she's in. So yeah, I, yeah. And I don't know if Sasha would have been able to pull off the same kind of, you know, charm that Cruz kind of does in this situation, if you know what I mean. Uh, Yeah. No offense, no offense to Sasha, but no, I don't think she would have been able to. Yeah, exactly. She's too uh nice, rigid, R- rigid. Yeah, that's a good word. Yeah. R- rigid, mm-hmm. rigid, straightforward, narrow. Mhm. Yep, I see it. I see it. Um 
Sully shows up, meanwhile, um, he basically makes himself known that he's there, Your Honor, John Sullivan, and we hear a voice in the distance basically saying, like, make yourself at home, and he kind of, like, picks up some photos and looks at photos and just sits down. I never understand that make yourself at home thing. Like, I know it's a polite thing to say, but, like, legitimately, if somebody said to me, make yourself at home, is that the part where I, like... I don't know, sit in the couch in my underwear and uh, just help myself to the fridge, make myself some food. <laughs> like, just, you know, like, well, just for, <laughs> do what yeah, I do perhaps. at home. <laughs> well, I don't know. What do you do at home? That's none of your business, though. That's a personal <laughs> question. Um, <laughs> but, like, I mean, if you took that literally, it's, it's like kind of one of those things where it's like, you know, the customer is always right. Like, I always wanted to walk into a store. <laughs> And just gone like, hey, um, this trolley, uh, this, you know, cart of $500 worth of stuff, I'm having it, it's completely free. And they're gonna be like, no, it's not. It's like, well, customer's always right, it's free. See ya. Um, <laughs> just be a dick and take things completely literally. I don't know, Dep- it depends, depends on who you- <laughs> I mean, You're not gonna get away with it, but, uh, like, you know. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, some of these expressions we have. Yeah. We never examine them, do we? It's, well, it's just, it's a, it's a case where you, it's like, it's like the overuse of the word literally. Like, I worked at a place last year, essentially, where, you know, I had some younger staff members, sort of like in their late teens, early twenties, and just the overuse of the word literally. And it's kind of like, it's something that you don't really notice until you hang around with people like that to a point. And like, there's always a, a an ongoing thing, like, there's a stand-up comedian in Australia who kind of does a big stand-up point about the word literally. But it's kind of, you just don't realise. So when they're like, oh my god, I literally just died. And you kind of have to think, like, did you, did you really literally just if, if die? You, if you literally just died, then how is it you're here to tell us that you literally just died? Yeah. And there, there are the two that always irk me the most, and kind of on the same page, is when people say the words pin number and ATM machine. That annoys the hell out of me. Um, and I, I believe I've talked about this on this show before. I don't know, but... Um, and I know for I a fact. I think so. I know for a fact working I, at a newspaper where they will publish in an article the term pin number. And like, do you realize what you're publishing? Like, that is just not correct. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Who is this stand up comedian? Now I'll have to check him or her out. Uh, Danny Boy is his name. He's actually Scottish, but he's, uh, quite well known in Australia. So, um, yeah, look him up. He's quite funny. So. Um, yeah, and he, he Danny talk, boy. He talks, he also talks about like people using like the word bizarre. So he's like, he does his whole bit about it. It's literally so bizarre. Um, and it's just, it's just really funny the way he kind of talks about it. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, Cruz is getting ready for her first job. Um, she gets given clean sheets and gets sent to room seven and she's all done up in a little nurse's outfit thing, I guess. Um, then we've got Mia Farrow back for her last ever appearance, uh, in Third Watch. Uh, oh, she's no. talking to, you know, we're two Academy Award nominees in this episode. Um, cause of course, Mia Farrow and Anne Margaret is a two-time Academy Award nominee. So there you go. Um, so Mia Farrow, um, yeah, talking with Yokus and, um, apparently saying that, you know, oh, I never said you weren't trying, and kind of we have this doctor coming in, almost implying that the pain isn't real, um, that nothing is wrong, that they're looking at all the tests and nothing should be wrong, and that this pain might be psychological. Now, this is another thing kind of on this whole Yokus in a wheelchair storyline, to me, that never gets a conclusion. It never gets explained. Like, she goes to see a psychiatrist, 
and kind of eventually she just ends up leaving anyway. Like, it's it's never explained what this pain... Like, is it psychological? Is it real? Like, it just kind of goes away. So it's kind of, again, like, I'm glad we've got Yokus in these episodes. I'm glad they're continuing some sort of storyline with her. But it just annoys me because, again, we never get a conclusion to what this pain actually is. Yeah. Something to fill screen time, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, it's just... I don't know, like, I'd like there to be some sort of explanation behind it, because it's, it's kind of one of these things that they're op- leaving it open-ended. But, I mean, this is just something that I think you legitimately need an, uh, an answer to, you know? Like, psychological pain. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's an actual... Like, if this is ER, like, this would be a whole episode around the fact that, hey, you can sometimes feel psychological pain that think it's real, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's... Didn't ER do something like oh, that? Oh, I'm sure they did. They had 15 seasons. I mean, it's been a while since I've watched through it. Um, so I'm sure they did. Um, yeah, I don't know. But like, I mean, it's just, yeah, at the end of the day, as you said, it's filling up screen time. We've still got to have Yokus. And then we've got Mia Farrow, you know, uh, her last appearance. Um, yeah, I don't know why I'm just whinging about this. I just feel like I need to whinge all the time, Darvel. I don't know. <laughs> need to what? I, I feel like I need to whinge, complain, uh, you know, uh, okay. bitch and moan. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. <laughs> what part of that didn't you understand? Okay, I don't know. What, okay, what Australian I've word ne- did I've I just use I've never there? heard it said. Okay, I was going to say I've never heard it said like that. We, so. Yeah, whinge is such a word that I feel that it's just so part of Australian wording that I. it's one of these ones I always forget that it's not well known outside of Australia. Like particularly when I've used whinge. that with Americans. Okay. They're always like, what? what's, what's whinge? And I'm like, what do you mean, what's whinge? How do you not know what whinge means? <laughs> uh, oh, man, I'm going to, I'm going to, that's another one I'm going to have to start saying. Hey, quit whinging, all right? Yeah. And people are going to be like, uh, don't you mean quit whining or, <laughs> well, yeah, that can be the same thing too, but I said quit whinging this time, so quit your fucking whinging. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Say it exactly like that. I'm sure you'll uh, go down very well. Um, <laughs> Sully has a bit of a chat with Judge. Uh, and then somehow they must have worked a case together, which again never really gets explained outside of this. Um, what case was it? I yeah, I don't yeah. know. Like it just never gets explained. So Sally kind of you know has a bit of a grudge against her because you know we hear this implication that they worked together at some point. So yeah, again we never get to the bottom of this. We meet Nita for the first time, her housekeeper. Um, and then the judge needs to go off and uh, do some more work. So a bit of animosity between these two. Fair enough. Uh, Cruz, meanwhile, has a first client. And we've got a guy who um, is having a bit of trouble with his wife. So he basically says, you've got a very pretty mouth and kind of wants some help from Cruz. And then Cruz, essentially, to avoid actually having to sleep with this guy, basically triples the price or doubles the price. He then leaves, and then uh, you see Sasha filming him. Cruz points at him to be like, yep, this guy, go get him. And they drive in and arrest him, and he basically, um, you know, obviously acts all shocked and is saying like, hey, you know, I've got a problem. And it, it's kind of one of these fine line things, isn't it? It's it's, it's almost a bit of entrapment. Um, you know, like, you can kind of see both sides to Cruz and Munro when they, I guess, debate whether they should let this guy go, if you know what I mean. Yeah, this particular one, because, yeah, I mean, if I remember that scene right, I mean, Mm -hmm. he was in, he he was definitely in over his head. Gosh, I'm sorry, I just, 
I just have not had a lot to add today. That's that's all right. You're just doing what our listeners do. They kind of listen and go, "What am I doing right now? What am I? Why am I listening to this?" I think it's. I, I mean, it's. It really is one of these moments where it's like, look, he's married and he shouldn't be going to pay someone for sex, but at the same time, he has an issue that he feels this is the way to get it fixed so he can improve his marriage. Like he's doing, he's doing the wrong thing for the right reason. It's kind of almost like Cruz, what she does kind of with her policing. Um, yeah. Like, why doesn't the motherfucker just get some Viagra? Well, yeah. Like, I mean, there's that or like go to a counselor with his wife or talk, you know, like, I mean, it's, it's, it, again, it's, it's a blurred line. There is definitely a blurred line there. And I'm, I'm not trying to defend his actions by going to do this, but like, I don't know, like in, in some aspects he, he believes he's seeking professional help and there are legitimately people out there who would do these sort of things to believe that they are doing this for help rather than just going off to get their rocks off with, you know, somebody else. So I think this, this actor yeah. guy, whoever he is, he plays it well. Like you and you kind of, it's, it is one mm-hmm. of these blurred line scenarios. I think that we, we do kind of, you know, you meant to be 50, 50 swayed down the line, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. So Davis, uh, do we have Davis here? Yeah, Sully and Davis. Uh, as they get out of the car, all these random cops are like tapping Sully on the back going like, you the man, Sully. <laughs> like, it's just so random. <laughs> like, is the judge really that well liked that people are going to be doing that? Um, and this is where Sully admits to Davis that he didn't actually try to save her. He was trying to get out of the way and ran into her. Um, and that basically he saved her because he was clumsy. Uh, which I kind of think is funny, like, like that's the, the admission there. Um, Cruz and Munro, meanwhile, in the locker room, and this is where, you know, Munro's kind of like, you know, we should have let him go, he has a dysfunction. Um, and then Cruz basically is like, look, this is what we're here to do, we're here to arrest these people. And then Cruz obviously, you know, turned around and is like, you know, maybe you should write a letter to somebody who gives a damn. So, again, we're really knuckling down on the Cruz is a hard nut and we're not liking Cruz here, aren't they? There's, they're really going hard for the fact that don't like her because we're going to get something that you're going to sort of, I guess, feel some sympathy for her very, very soon in this episode. Yep. Um, and we cut to the next morning. Kim shows up. She's wearing a little hat. She's looking pretty good. I think she looks pretty, uh, you know, she looks hot with that hat on, just my point of view. Um, and there's a letter uh, for her and uh, it's official and she opens it up in front of Carlos and then she's like, this is bull, and storms off. So we're going to find out what that's going to be in just a minute. Um, Yokus with a mum asking her, does she believe her about uh, the pain? And then her mum says that a psychiatrist uh, would be good for her. Uh, she's like, you know, you were shot. You should speak to someone. And then sort of Yokus has a bit of a, she gets a bit angry, saying like, it wasn't just somebody who shot me. It was that bitch sergeant. It was one of my own. And then she starts to feel the pain again. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of, this is again where like we get no conclusion to it because it's kind of implied here that she's getting angry at the situation. So psychologically, she's feeling yeah. this pain. So I don't know. Like again, it's like, what are we meant to believe here? Who knows? Yeah, it's, it's kind of strange. Uh, Sully and Davis, uh, next morning showing up to the judge's house. Sully talking about how the, um, Nita cooked a porterhouse for him and that, you know, everything is, uh, great. And Davis is a little bit jealous about all that. And Davis is kind of like, I know that's not true. We also get a bit of a shot of somebody, uh, in a car watching over the house, having a cigarette. So, uh, you know, drama, drama llama, somebody's watching over the house. Um, Sully swaps over with this guy again, um, who, you know, they don't really share a whole lot of, uh, explanation. They don't really talk that much. 
Sully um, calling out for the judge, doesn't hear her, walks upstairs, sees her sitting on a couch. She doesn't think he'd come back again. She thought that uh, he'd let she'd let his partner come in. Um, and she sees that he's got the LSAT books, that has an interest in the law, uh, and then offers him some coffee. And then she wants to go around the block to get some coffee, but he basically says, no, we can't do that. Uh, you tell me the name of the coffee shop, and I'll go get my partner or somebody else to go pick up the coffee. So... Um, then she also says, can you tell your partner to move the car? He's blocking the neighbours are complaining about the entrance. And, um, yeah, basically, I love how Sully walks down the stairs and is like, your highness, uh, wants you to move the car. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Setting up a little bit for what's going to happen. Yes, yes. Kim and Carlos are in the ambulance having a bit of a conversation. Then Doc shows up and uh, she goes off at him. She's gotten a letter of reprimand for um, supplying drugs without permission, uh, which obviously we saw at the beginning of the episode. And uh, Kim going off at Doc saying, like, hey, you used to do it all the time. And um, now Doc basically is like, hey, like, you know, I never did it in front of anyone important. And then Kim mentions a little bit about the collar that happened what back in season three. Uh, yes. Saying, like, you know, you pulled off the collar and we were there to save you or whatever it was. Um, and then Kim basically storms off, like, you're all powerful now. You're up there with the gods. Uh, thanks a lot. So, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because, like, at the end of the day, like, look... It's again, it's a blurred line situation, isn't it? Doc did used to do that stuff all the time, but I guess he also is technically right, isn't he? Because he never did it in front of anyone important. So, uh, well, yeah. unless you count the unless you count the camera crew with that trauma response TV show that was following him around that day, he popped the cervical collar off the guy who ended up temporarily paralyzed. Which I guess at the end of the day. I mean, we got a whole storyline around that, and he, I guess, forgot. And, like, I mean, again, well, he didn't forget, did he? Like, kind of, you know, he, he admitted, no. didn't he, that, you know, he did that because all the attention was on Carlos and he wanted to do something special. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's again, an interesting one where, again, Doc is sort of... I mean, he's also... you gotta you got to see his position. Like, if anyone gets a promotion in that situation and you see one of your people, like, that you're sort of in charge of doing the wrong thing, whether they're your friend or not... The right thing to do in your job, I guess, technically, is to report them. And in all fairness, yeah. Kim did do the wrong thing. She didn't follow procedure. But it's, again, a blurred line, isn't it? Like, should Doc you know, look the other way because she used to work with him? I don't know. What do you think? I'll have to think on that. Okay. Um. Anyway, so Kim goes back in the ambulance, storms off. Uh, we see with Munro and Sasha... That, uh, they're still continuing on. They're arresting another guy. But, uh, Cruz wants to stay for one more perp, basically. And Cruz going off at Sasha, saying that if you were half, or, half as efficient as you were lazy, you'd be something by now. So, uh. Ah, yes! That was my line. There you go. <laughs> Start Man. the episode again. There uh, it is! <laughs> <laughs> there it is. You found it. Oh, man. Um. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of like Cruz really in job mode here. She's sort of off the street. She's back into what she does best here, I guess, and, you know, have a bit of a standoff with uh, Sasha. So, you know, we something bad surely isn't going to happen in this episode. Um, there, Sully's back in the house. The phone starts ringing. No one's answering it. Sully pulls a gun out. He can't find her. He's looking around the house. Um, goes outside or well, calls Davis. 
um, and says that the package is gone. So they go outside. They start. They're going to start searching for her because of the coffee shop that's around the corner. That's thinking where she snuck out, and they realise that there's a service entrance that um, they didn't see before and that she snuck out of. Uh, we cut this between crews going back in to see another. Uh, person, and we kind of get this, uh, I guess, uh, I don't know, attractive looking guy. Cruz kind of says, like, you know, hey, like, I didn't think you'd have any, uh, trouble getting people. And this guy basically comes across as super creepy straight away. He doesn't like white women. He likes, uh, women of, of different ethnicities, essentially, because he thinks that white women look like ghosts or feel like they're having sex with a corpse. Um, well, Cruz ain't white. Come on. Yeah, well, you know, I think that's the point why he wants to sleep with her, probably. Um, and he basically starts getting naked in front of her, and she's, like, saying, like, you don't need to take your clothes off yet. And then he goes straight up to her and punches her in the stomach, and she collapses, and he basically grabs her. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a bit confronting and uh, clearly, you know, not good here for what's going no. on. Um, it comes back, and we see Sasha outside the front, She's filming the guy leaving, uh, who's sort of getting dressed and walking out. She's got a bit of concern on her face and waiting to see Cruz come out, but she doesn't come out just yet. Then she eventually comes out, zips herself up, just gets straight back into the car and basically just like, let's go. And Sasha can tell straight away that something's wrong. She's essentially saying like, are you okay? Like, I thought we were trying to get one more person. And and then basically Cruz loses it and is like, what part of that take me home do you not understand? Take me home. So Sasha can clearly tell something is wrong here. And I mean, yeah, Cruz is acting extremely differently. Great acting by both of them here to kind of, you know, yeah. I guess read into the situation. Um, yeah. Sully and Davis are looking the streets, trying to find the judge. Um, they look inside some coffee houses and then they eventually find her. She's gone down the street to get some coffee. She's saying, I don't want to be locked up in my house and feel like I'm being a coward. And Sally goes off at her, you know, all you have to do is do as you're told. It's not that hard, is it? Um, and then orders her back to go in the car. And, uh, you know, again, fair point by Sully. She's looking a little bit yep. shitty, but I mean, again, like, you know, they're doing this for her protection. So... It's, at the end of the day, that's what they're trying to do. Um, we then see Cruz at her house. Sasha drops her off. She uh, rushes upstairs, uh, takes her clothes off. She's got bruises all over her stomach and kind of stares at herself in the mirror. There's uh, a knock at the door, and this is, again, that trope that I've tried to point out to you, Darvel. She only ever answers the door in, like, a bath towel or a dressing gown. <laughs> she is again. Uh, and it's her signature, I suppose. It is. And, yeah, Sasha obviously knows what's happened. She's knocked on the door and she's just saying to Cruz, like, look, if you have a shower and wash it, that's the evidence. She's like, you need to go to the hospital right now and get a rape kit. So, clearly, Cruz has been raped and this is kind of going to sort of be the storyline for a couple of episodes. And, look, it's... I don't know if you thought or anybody thought when I've always implied that there are, like, two moments in this show which I think kind of diminish a female character and make them look like a victim. And this, by no means, is not one of them. I don't know if anyone thought this is the scene that I was thinking. I think it's easy maybe to think that, that kind of like, hey, we've got the tough female cop and we're going to, you know, do a storyline where she's been raped. I think this storyline is actually done very well. I think it's done in a way that is very relevant to today. And I think that it is, it's got complexities to it because we've got this, you know, hardened female cop who has obviously gone out of her way to get into a position where she doesn't need to be treated differently because of gender and she just does what she does. Um, 
Right. And I think that the way this is done is done in such a way that this can happen to anyone. It doesn't matter, like, what type of person you are, whether, you know, how strong you are or how weak you are or anything like that. Like, unfortunately, you know, anyone can be a victim of a crime like this. And right. I think that it's done in a way that this does it well. And I think Third Watch does this type of storyline well because there's another one in season six when there's actually a man involved in a storyline like this, which is, again, something which is not portrayed that much in the media or talked about that much. And I think it's done in such Gosh, a way what that... what episode is that? I think it's towards the end of the season, if I'm not mistaken, or it's at least midway through the season. Um, but I just think that, like, it's done in a way that it's not, it's not preachy, it's not over the top, it's, it's done in such a way where it's just handled very well. And I think that, yeah, I, I believe they do it to Cruz, well, they, they imply that it's done to Cruz just because they've got to get a bit of sympathy for her character, because clearly everyone hates Cruz. But I think it kind of works, and, like, I'm not sure if people out there, the Cruz haters, can maybe speak up about this because I'm sure that even the hardened cruise haters can't turn around and be like, oh, she deserved this or things like that. Because if you do, then that's a horrible thing to say. So Exactly. I mean, no, nobody, nobody, nobody does that. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, and I think, the, again, the way they do this storyline is good because it would have been easy for somebody to, like, write into this that, like, well, Cruz deserved it because she's a bitch, you know what I mean? Whereas they don't do that. Kind of, and, and and nothing points that out further when Bosco finds out, if you know what I mean. So, and right, yeah. So I think it's done well. That's what I guess I'm trying to say. Um, yeah, yeah. And I like, I like that. I like that. Um, well, I don't like that it happened to her, but yes, you're right. It is a very well put together arc. Yeah, and like, look, I've watched plenty of TV over the years. I mean, like, I know, um, like, Law and Order SVU kind of handles with this Love sort of, that show. Well, that handles, I guess, with this type of crime basically every week, doesn't it? Um, right. But, I mean, are there many ongoing, like, arcs on SVU where they kind of contribute it weekly? Because, I mean, to me, every time I watch SVU, it's kind of one of these shows where you can just watch week to week and there's not really that many ongoing storylines, if you know what I mean. Well, there was an arc... Probably one of the most memorable arcs for me, anyway, in the last few seasons was, I don't know if you still watch SVU, do you? Uh, no, I, I mean, again, I never really watched it. It was just kind of a, oh, it's on TV, I'll watch a bit of it, and an ex of mine used to watch it a lot, and I never really, I just, you know, I don't get into those sort of shows which are, you know, paint-by-numbers cop shows that much, you know what I mean? Like, okay. there are a couple that okay. I like, like Blue Bloods, but, yeah, I mean, other than that, no, I didn't, I, yeah. Never really been into Law and Order. Okay. Okay. Well. Um. Well. Then I'll make this short. Well. <laughs> end of season fourteen and throughout season fifteen, there was this recurring, there was this recurring character, uh, a serial a serial rapist slash murderer by the name of William Lewis, played by a guy named Pablo Schreiber, fantastic actor, but um he made um. Olivia Benson, who, I mean, even if you've watched SVU only a few times, you know she's the main character. Um, that's uh, he, that's uh, Mariska Hargitay, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes, yep. Mariska Hargitay Mariska Hargitay plays Olivia. Yeah, um, yeah she, he made her his... Uh, he made her his primary target, more or less. And mm-hmm. it showed... It 
when he was first introduced, that episode that he was introduced in ends with her with him kidnapping her and then and then raping and torturing her over the course of several days. Okay. Um, and then it shows the after effects of it on her throughout season fifteen and indeed I think there I think there's still some lasting effects on it to this day. Okay. Yeah, it's just I mean look I guess my point with and that is... it's very well done. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I kind of was assuming, because, I mean, SVU is still on, isn't it? It's been going on for about 16, 17, 18 seasons, whatever it is. So, I mean, I'm assuming that there was got to be some form of storyline where it's ongoing and it's happened to a main character. Um, right, so, it's so, currently in its 20th season. 20th season? Holy moly, that's a lot. Yes. Um, good on it for going on that strong. Like, you know, uh, just because I don't watch it, not a fan of it. Like, it's good to see that it's still got a bit of a following out there that it can keep going. Um, but... Yeah, my point is, I think it's, like, it's... I, I haven't seen many shows, I guess, where it's done that. I mean, I guess, kind of, ER had a few. Like, I know Abby was, I guess... She wasn't sexually assaulted, but she was uh, still... Um, I guess her ex-husband was uh, an abuser, so they kind of, you know, did that over a few episodes, and that was handled very well. So, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, they're, they're, they handled this very well, I think, Third Watch. And, again, it's kind of one of these ones we talked about, like, a week ago, didn't we... Uh, sort of with DMX that, you know, it is something that is still very relevant to this day. And I think that mm-hmm. you wouldn't really change much of the style that you do in this episode, um, of how you would handle this. Like, I think this is still very, like, it's not dated at all. Um, no, so. unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And look, like, sadly, this is something that I think will always happen in human society. Um, yes. No matter what the awareness is brought to it from the media, this is just, part of what it is and it happens as i said it can happen to anyone it can happen to any woman it can happen to any man like it can happen to any person so um but it's just it's done in a way that it's handled well and there's easily could have done this in a different way that wouldn't have been handled well anyway we're going to talk a little bit more about that over the coming weeks because we do end this episode with uh sully and davis showing back up to the judge's house and we see that a man is there walking away from the house he's delivered flowers uh, this man's got a baseball cap on and with a sort of a denim jacket, and it's the same guy who was running away from the bomb explosion at the beginning of it. The housemaid, Nita, uh, grabs the flowers and brings them inside. Davis is banging on the door saying, let me in. She's like, just a minute. And then he, the guy who's delivered the flowers, saying like, oh, I work for a florist for 24 hours. Oh, I don't have my ID on me. Let me just go check. And then he starts to run away. Then all of a sudden, we get a huge explosion. The flowers blow up. It's again in slow motion, done in such a cheesy manner. The door blows open on top of Davis, and we get this slow motion shot of Davis's hand smashing in the glass. Cut to black. Executive producer, Christopher Chalk, John Wells, Ed Albanero, and Brooke Kennedy. Um, it's, look... It starts the string. It's a of, rent. We, it starts the uh, the string of three weeks of random cliffhangers that we don't really need. Um, yeah, look, I don't. I've I've ranted a lot about this already. I'm not a fan of how they end this and the next couple of weeks. But again, you know, it's not a bad episode. It's just it's just like, hey, come back next week because is Davis dead? Um, so, and spoiler alert, he's not. Um, so did yeah. you just say this is a rant or did you just say this is a rent? A rent. Right. Okay. Yes. I agree with you, Darvell. I have rented this episode as well. Um, look, it's, it's, again, it's not terrible, but you're not going to be talking about this episode again in, like, it's this whole Judge Holstead storyline. It's like, it's okay. Yeah, but- it's and no, 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 no disrespect to Anne Margaret, wonderful no, exactly. actress. She's she's a brilliant actress. I mean, I'm a 
I mean, I think she's probably in a lot of movies well past our time and ones that I've never seen, but I, I for one, am a huge fan of uh, grumpy old men and grumpier old men. Um, so I know her, <laughs> like, random little loves of movies, and she's great in both of those. So that's kind of where I, I guess, know her best from. But uh, I will say that I have ranked this episode uh, 84th out of 98. And again, to clarify, I have ranked up to the spirits. So that's why there are 98 episodes in this. I realize there are, we haven't gone through that many yet. Um, so 84 out of 98, so it's in the, in the middle of the rented category, so, um, that's where we're looking at that one. Uh, next week, Darvel, we're back for Surrender. Um, uh, what will happen to Davis? What will happen to her housemate? Um, uh, what will happen to Cruz? And we have a court day, basically. Um, we've got a kind of some interesting shots of cop cars and a bit of a shootout and things like that. So, yeah, clearly they're going for a lot of action, but I think next week works a little bit better for me. Yeah. It's a, it's a little better than this week, yeah. Yeah, I agree. So, yep. that's next week. Uh, in the meantime, like us on Facebook, subscribe on uh, all the channels that you subscribe on. I don't know why I went blank there. Uh, follow us on Twitter, all the other channels, Instagram, <laughs> theoznetwork.net, that's where all the episodes are, and leave us some feedback because... You like us, and that's about it. Uh, my name is Ben, and you've got a really pretty mouth. <laughs> my name is Darvell, and see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.